0: this kind of presentation, I think. I'm delighted to be here in Oxford, and I'm looking forward to engage with you in conversation about these issues and these issues of gender identity I'll be talking about. Now, I will start, because I'm in Oxford, I thought I will start with a sort of philosoph- some philosophical consideration, I think. Because the title of a recent conference about gender identity and sexual orientation at the Sapienza in Rome, was I am, I flow, following a poem by Rilke, Sonnets to Orpheus, and he says, be in this immensity of the night, the magic force at your senses crossroad, the purpose of their mysterious plan. And though you fade through earthly sight, declare to the silent heart I flow, and to the rushing water, I am. The two statements here at the centre, are at the center of a long-standing debate over being and becoming. The Greek philosopher Parmenides maintained that reality is one, change is impossible, existence is timeless, uniform and unchanging. Heraclitus on the other end, another pre-Socratic Greek philosopher, proposed the view that change and becoming is at the center of existence and stated You cannot step in the same river twice, which he said in Greek, pan These two dimensions are present in the development of identity, of any identity, but here in particular of gender identity, and underline the continuity of being, the unchanging quality of gender identity in some young people, and I will show a clip which illustrates very clearly this point I am, and this unchanging quality or the transformation and change of gender identity in others. I will return to the themes of fixity and change in gender identity development within the context of a psychotherapeutic exploration. In this presentation, what I will do is I will describe the position of a gender identity development service, which is a service for children and adolescents who present with gender identity problems, within the NHS organization, and its relationship to self-help organizations within a psychosocial perspective. The therapeutic aims as we developed in ourselves, what we're trying to achieve with these children and teenagers. Third, the nature of what I called the atypical gender identity organization. And finally, an approach to management of gender identity disorder, or gender identity problems in children, which integrates psychosocial, psychological, social and then physical intervention. And I will start with the (coughs) problem of classification. What do these children look like? And this is the SM4, which is the psychiatric classification of the American Psychiatric Association, which is about to change in 2012. So there is a controversy about this classification, but I'll stay with this for for the time being. And as you can see, there are a number of criteria. One is criterion A, says a strong and persistent cross gender identification, not merely desire for any perceived cultural advantages of being the other sex. In children, the issues are manifested by four or more of the following repeated, stately desire to be, or insistence that she is of the other sex. In boys, preference for cross dressing or simulating female attire. And in girl insistence on only wearing stereotypical masculine clothing fourth their strong persistence preferences for cross-sex roles in make-believe play or persistence fantasies of being the other sex usually at these children at this age would win specialist prepubertal children between 5 and 10 wish to play with children of their own biological gender while these children instead prefer to play with children of the other gender and that's rather unusual i think because it's th- they they feel they belong to the other group and so that's uh, they want to be part of, of of the group to which they feel they belong and there is also an intense desire to in participate to stereotypical games and pastime of the other sex and then there are other characteristics which have to do with the body for instance in boy the assertion that his penis and testes are disgusting and occasionally we have referred to ourselves, which has not been going on for more than 20 years. Boys, for instance, who will try to cut their penis at the point you know, when to, to, sh- to show that they're very distressed about having a penis. And so it's in this situation, sometimes it's very, very serious. Or girls, for instance, will you know reject, will... Reject of urinating in a secret sitting position or assertion that Chiasu will grow a penis and so on. So there are all these elements. Now, I will not bother you any further, I think, with this, um, I suppose, description, but I will show you um, a, some clips from a film. I don't know if you have anybody seen it. It's ma- called Mavian Rose, not Lavian Rose, Mavian Rose. And it's about a boy of the age of seven or eight, I think, who presents all these features. I've cut the clips, which refers to these aspects, and you will see the assertion that he makes about himself, the the type of play, his relationship with the school, and and so we'll give you a bit of an idea of how these children present. (coughs) Has anybody seen the film? I think I've seen it partially. It starts with the family as the family has just moved. And so the father is introducing the family to their neighbors and to see what happens. Oh. Mm-hmm. So as you can see, f- this clip raises a, a number of, uh, of issues. For instance, what will happen to Ludovic? As this is a boy who has most of the feature of what would be called a gender identity disorder. So it would meet the features of this classification what do you think would be the outcome say if we revisit him and if it was a real boy I think what might look like at 16 or 20 what would be what would be your guess
1: one or two, sorry. pardon sorry I guess one or two options either um, he'll kind of feel marginalized and carry on with that behavior exaggerated if anything or complete denial become incredibly natural and uh,
0: He'll do every sport he can and, uh, yeah but this is a boy who is now showing that he has a gender identity of a girl he perceives himself as being a girl yeah. would that continue or, or not what th- this is what do you think what's your uh, I think it would
2: continue mm. Mm. you think it would you know.
0: yeah. how many people disagree your
1: because so he he's had so much, to, he gets so much disapproval from his authority figures. I think he would um, care, he'd probably feel the same way. If he wouldn't care like that. It
2: Depends on his puberty as well, I guess.
0: Yeah. So what what would you guess? What would you be your...?
2: Well, I mean, maybe if he has a very strong pubescent period, he, might, he could go either way. He could become more girly or he could become more boyish. If, you can't say, can you? Yeah.
0: Depends. Well, what we know is that most of, of the research shows that b- boys like, you know, Ludovic, 20% or between 10 and 20% will persist. So they will become, as adults, transgendered people or, or transsexuals, so wanting the body to be changed in order to match their perception. But between 50 and 60%, will have an homosexual outcome so he may become gay so some people say this is a film about a child who will become gay and of course the rest about 20 percent will have a heterosexual outcome it is very difficult from early puberty to predict which will be the outcome in adolescence and in adulthood but usually, as you were saying, puberty is a crucial point because puberty is the time when the shift m- may occur, if it occurs. It's between 11 and, and 13, I think, when pubertal development starts. That some children will shift and will no longer feel I want to be a girl, but they may then have an homosexual outcome in terms that he may become gay or may go towards a heterosexual outcome. But it's difficult to predict at this stage what will be the final outcome. I've got ideas which we we may come back in the discussion. Now, I want to talk a bit about the service and the problems that there are in being part of a service which sees children like Ludovic or girls on the other side who want to be boys or feel that there are boys. And we have a service which goes from the age of four or five until to the age of 18. So that's the, 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 the span that, that, that we cover, I think, with our service. Now, this is the experience that professional working in this service have is that sometimes they experience a particular type of pressure during the course of the work and the pressure comes from various parts you know they may come from other colleagues who think that you should be changing these children or or it may come from some of the users who feel for instance that you should become involved as early as possible in physical intervention so there are pressures that you know affect works in this service and this sometimes makes thinking and decision making difficult Sometimes people feel at risk of becoming involved in courses of action, which would be unhelpful to the children and particularly to the adolescent that they're trying to help. So the idea would be that one other one remains inactive or say with a 14, 15 year old who is asking for some physical intervention and or the consideration of it, or may become too precipitate, act too quickly. And to get the balance right, it's, it's very, very difficult. In these circumstances, it becomes important, I think, to find out what position one has ended up, you know, playing in a system. And being aware of one's own position may perpetuate a sense of pressure and anxiety, while the acknowledgement of one's position becomes a good starting point, I think, to start thinking and having some sense of direction. And I use here the positioning theory as was formulated by Langanov and Harre. And he says, they say, General, we choose to take position within discourses, but we are also positioned by others on the basis of what we say and do. This different position can be placed on a continuum or what we call a semantic polarity. Semantic because it provides the basis of meaning. And therefore, this is an example of this polarity, feeling secure or feeling insecure. For a small child, for instance, he will feel secure when he's close to mom he will feel more and more insecure as he moves away, and then at some point he may want to come back. For our example, for our service, I will be using instead the metaphor of the edge mainland. So this is the polarity I want to look at. And these images with the following image can conjure up a constellation of feelings which are experienced by people who perceive themselves of being at the edge. Take, for instance, the Niagara Falls. Place yourself at the edge of this uh, this fall. Of course, then it's a catastrophic situation. You have no no chance of saving yourself, so you are going to go down. This is another edge. This is more secure. There is more sense of control. This is another edge. You see, there's a thin line, little contact between god and adam and this is the creation of adam and course you can see how existence and non-existence is at a very very fine edge it could not have happened this is another edge i don't know if people have seen this was about a couple of years ago it was doris salcedo shibboleth at the, T- the tate modern i don't know how she was allowed to do this but she cracked <laughs> The, 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 the basis, I think, of the pavement of the hole and created this this crack. And, and called this work the shibboleth. The Shibbolet is a word used to test detecting people from another district or country by their pronunciation. And it was used in North Africa. A word which, sound, which sounds very difficult for foreigners to pronounce. And so in this way, these people were detected. And of course, then they would be recognized as foreigners and often they were killed. So, this work has been variously interpreted as representing the legacy of racism and colonialism and underlies the foundation that underlines the foundation of the modern world. She says it represents boundaries borders, the experience of immigrants, the experience of semi uh, segregation, the experience of racial hatred. It is the experience of a third world person coming into the art of Europe, and I would add it may represent A person, the experience of a person who feels that the body doesn't match the self perception of their mind. And then Nick Sorota said in 2008 there is a crack, there is a line, and eventually there will be a scar, and the scar will remain. And of course, if you go to the Tate Modern now, you can see where this scar is. And I think that's maybe a a useful metaphor, I think, because one of the issues, I suppose, dealing with people with gender identity issues, that sometimes there has been in the past uh, a sort of traumatic event which has been closed by the development of an atypical gender identity. Now you can, I suppose, have all sorts of free association about these images which I have shown you, but these were some of my free association. That was the metaphor of the edge showed the the boundary between the body and the mind, the thin edge between the body and the perception of the mind. The pressure to readjust the body to a gender identity which is in contrast with the physical appearances of the body. For these children who then become teenagers, who at the age of 13, 14, have remained fixed to the idea that their mind doesn't match the body. What they want is the body to be changed. And this as soon as possible. For a number of them, they feel that there is a solution there, which would make them feel better. Again, the metaphor of the edge is the sense of living at the edge of impending catastrophe, if the realignment of the mind and the body doesn't occur quickly enough. The other edge is the edge between life and death. The high risk of self harming that some young people with gender identity disorder or problems present, and this is sometimes is an issue which we have to address as a as a service, as a team, I think, the sense of the suicidal risk that some of these children present because they find unbearable living in this state in which mind and body don't seem to go together. The other possibility is living at the edge of society, experiencing stigma and often bullying. And the shibboleth, as I was saying, can represent an early experience of trauma with consequent closures and resolution to overcome it. So if you go to the Tate Modern now, you will see that this has been closed. You can, see, you can see that something has happened there, but you would not know what's behind it. You need to, to dig. And, of course, this is a useful metaphor because one of the issues, some of our teenagers or young people who come might have had an experience of trauma in their childhood, which have, they've resolved to a particular identification. Now, the question is, do you, how much this can be explored? How much this can be opened up? Is it useful? Is it not useful? And now one goes about it. But to go back to our or my original point about, I suppose, the use of the metaphor, and Campbell and Gromberg describe this as a process in which the professional has been positioned by others. In this case, position of being at the edge. They consider it complicated, but also crucial to understanding of family or group dynamic. In our case, the professional, the service, have ended up mirroring the position of these young people and their family in society. This is the point I'm trying to make. That this sense of, I suppose, discomfort that sometimes professional experience in this area of work is exactly what these people experience themselves. So you end up mirroring the same experience of these young people, and this is important to recognize. Being at the edge, of course, involves the risk for the professional and the service of being pushed over the edge and therefore disappearing. And so this is an area in which one needs to work all the time because within the organization, sometimes you end up mirroring the position of these young people in society and as a service, you are in a similar position, always at risk of being closed or or being, uh, funding being reduced and so on. The awareness of this process therefore important to help young people to deal with these states of mind and therefore to be able to move from a position of being psychologically at the edge to the more secure position of being in the mainland. A psychoanalyst called Ron Britton, in a book, you know, in a paper, an as an unwitting professional response to family dynamics, it suggested that contact with some family may result in professional workers or their institution becoming involved unknowingly in a drama which reflects a situation in the relationship of the family or within the minds of some of its individual members. And this is not recognized, but expressed in action. So what I'm trying to stress here is the importance of being aware of these processes in the work, processes in which people are influenced, are affected and end up mirroring the state of mind of the people with whom they are come in contact, in this case these people with in, children, adolescents, and family where there are gender identity problems. So the awareness of this process is important if we have to help these people moving away from this position. Because if we can't be so secu- secure ourselves, we cannot help other people to feel more secure, so that's important that we are aware and in in one way of becoming I suppose more secure in one's own position uh, is that we have to consider various areas what model of care do we have? what is the relationship of the professional to uh, other organization which try to help these children and teenagers and finally the relationship of the professionals to the wider organization in which the service is located. let's start with the model of care now The causation of the gender identity disorder, this presentation as I've described, is unclear and is probably multifactorial. No one has been able to come up with one single cause that would cause this type of presentations. It's not not genetic, it's not necessarily hormones, is not nurture on its own so but it may be a combination of factors working together at a crucial time of development the other element is that at the core of gender identity the, uh, the gender dysphoria dysphoria means distress so there is a distress around gender there is an issue of identity so it's not a symptoms uh, I- as in any other condition so if you have a phobia you have a symptom, you are phobic of something. Here, is the, the, the core, at the core of this presentation, there is an issue of identity. And young people are very sensitive and feel intruded upon by anyone attempting to change who they feel they are. So that's another important issue, because as this is an identity, adolescents or young people would be feel very intruded if you said, I'm going to change you, or I'm going to involve you in a therapeutic approach which changes you so at our service the gender identity development service where i've been working for the last two, more than 20 years we have developed a model of management in which altering the gender identity disorder is not the primary therapeutic objective and we openly say to this family and these children we are not going to aim to change you so then the question is what do we do because <laughs> people will ask you see, if, if we come to a service which people come because they have got the gender identity problems if you are not going to actively change it as some parents would like, other parents may not, then what do you do? And this is what we do. These are ten therapeutic aims which I <coughs> described in the, in the early nineties, published in ninety eight. First of all is to foster recognition and non-judgmental acceptance of the gender identity problems. Parents and family needs to realise they've got a child who has an unusual presentation. What they thought was a boy feels instead that it is a girl. And they need to come to accept that that's how the child feels at this particular moment. The other element is to uh, help with other behavioral and emotional problems. Sometimes these children have other difficulties in their life. As you can see, they get isolated in school uh, or they, they get desperate. They think of suicidal attempts and, and so one would need to help them with that. Above all, to break the cycle of secrecy. Because some of this behavior, if the child perceives that the parents is against it, doesn't want to see them behaving in this way or cross-dressing, they will suppress it. And so this becomes then a secret activity. Because as you could see from the film, Ludovic, there was this tremendous pressure for him to express his identity. So if you suppress it, it doesn't just go away. It becomes separate from the rest of the personality, so the child will not show these behaviors in, in, in public or when there are the parents around, but he will do it in, in secret, and of course that has long-term consequences, because it can build up all sorts of other problems in the development of the, of the personality, because he may <coughs> become then, I suppose you start to become very guarded, uh, you, you're always watchful for what other people are going to say and do, and, and, and so it, it, it doesn't help. So breaking the cycle of secrecy is an important therapeutic aim, allowing the parents and the child and eventually other members of the enlarged family and eventually the social network to talk about the experience of this child in an open way. Then activate interest and curiosity in the child and in the family. It may be useful sometimes to explore, I suppose, how did you come to to feel like this, and sometimes I ask parents or I ask children, what's your theory, or how do you explain this, and people will come up with different explanations, so it's important to activate the curiosity so that there is a dialogue among the family. Important to explore the body-mind relationship by promote collaboration with professional different speciality, particularly, I think, pediatrician and so, and this is particularly for adolescents when they feel and they want to consider changing the body. So that's the the, the time where to introduce pediatrician and and, and work together, I think, between the people who have been dealing more with feelings, emotion, with people who actually have, have their main focus, I think, the body. In some cases, it is important to allow mourning process. There have been cases where a child has developed a cross gender identity as a result of an important loss which has not been mourned. Instead of mourning, say, the loss of a grandmother to which the child felt very, very close, the child has identified with her and this has affected gender identity development. In these cases, allowing the mourning process to occur, discussing this, working with this t- the type of issues might actually affect the course of development enable symbolic thinking and what I mean by that allow the child I think to perhaps as much as possible have different experience of himself or, or of herself like in the case of you know of the film Ludovic I suppose you know Ludovic wanted to to be the the, the the princess, who wants, so that would be important for him, maybe in another situation, perhaps to experience something different, and so give him license to experience that, what he wants, but also maybe experience other characters, other, pos- other personalities. Very important is also to enable the child and the family to tolerate a certain degree of uncertainty, because some people, that's how I ask you, what will happen to Ludovic? Eh, difficult to know, but you have to tolerate a certain degree of uncertainty. We all would want to know what's going to happen in three years, four years' time, and we cannot know sometimes. So one has to live with a certain degree of uncertainty, accept the situation as it is, accept the child as as he is or she is, but at the same time, keep an open mind about the possibility that things might change. And sometimes they change in a very unpredictable way. I I remember once I was dealing with a child who was going through through puberty and he wanted very much to see the pediatrician to consider the possibility of the body being changed so as I will explain in a moment and uh, I was in the middle of a a meeting and the mother phoned and asked to talk to me urgently usually I I don't respond straight away if we are in a meeting but in this case I got quite anxious I said okay I'll take the telephone call and I was thinking maybe this child has become very distressed because she was very distressed about it was a boy who wanted to be a girl, about the body, and so I went to the telephone, and mom said, uh, we, have to change the, we have to cancel the appointment with the pediatrician, because now he wants to be a boy. And of course, it had become like a shock to her, because nobody could predict that this child had been living as a girl now for three or four years. Suddenly, you know, with the onset of the puberty, he had changed his mind so for mom it was quite a shock and you could see the urgency so it was quite <laughs> for me i think you know it was quite a source of, of a relief i think to hear that you know this boy was not going to you know whether not attempt suicide or done something drastic but but for mom it was a shock to, to see that this child has changed the next time i saw him he actually developed quite a lot and so you can see how things can uh, So tolerating uncertain and of course the important is to sustain hope i think in all this that at at the end of this process of working through this, a solution will be found. It is also important, I think, to combat stigma, as you could see, you know, in the film, there was, this child was highly stigmatized, you know, he was playing, you know, people were making fun of the fact that he was playing with dolls and so on. And also, I suppose it's important to alleviate the feeling of shame that some of these children and their family experience, and so enable people to develop skills to handling social interaction. Now, how one would define this therapeutic approach? Uh, Now, some people, of course, uh, have now described some of the therapeutic approaches calling them reparative therapy. So this would be the people, and sometimes especially from religious movement, who would want to change these children and teenagers, to try to them to conform to what would be expected from their body. And these are called reparative therapy what i'm proposing is a model which is not doesn't follow within the reparative therapy. It's a model which is developmentally based it wants to i suppose promote development and also reduce the stress and promoting well-being in the young person it pay attention to being and becoming as i was saying i am and i flow to the possibility of this staying this remaining a, a fundamental aspect of this child adolescent, personality and remaining unchanged but also being open to the possibility that this might shift or change and because of this consideration I've argued that the gender identity disorder which is uh, a word, a definition that nobody seems to like should be changed in the new classification which is coming to gender identity development dysphoria dysphoria because uh, uh, in some sense uh, puts the emphasis on the distress, because it's very distressing to live with a mind and body which don't match. And also the, the word development em- emphasize the fact that this is a developmental phase, that for some people this will lead to shift and change, but for others it will not. The other things I, I've proposed in the past is the concept of atypical gender identity organization as a psychological entity that underlines the presentation which I've been describing earlier on and and it, it's useful to talk about organization because it is a way of conceptualizing uh, a psychological entity which can be i suppose examined under various parameters one for instance rigidity and flexibility it is important you know, to over a period of time to be able to explore if this child, this adolescent uh, I suppose is changing or if instead and is not changing and so there, there is no possibility of evolution in the course of development. The other element is one could perhaps determine where this organization, this way of thinking was formed and organization which formed very early on in life are more likely to be very structured and so um, less likely to change over the course of, uh, of, of devel- in the course of development. The other element, one can look, say, for instance, if traumatic events have occurred in the life of the child. Sometimes one can, I suppose, uh, uh, find them, or, or, or there are memories of this, sometimes it is not possible. And then see, I suppose, if the development of an typical gender identity organization has been the consequences of a traumatic event. A traumatic event, for instance, being being abandoned by a caregiver, by a parent, by the mother, and then the resolution being, if I am the mother, then I don't have to deal with loss. So that might be a possible way of the child uh, surviving a traumatic event or for a girl for instance imagining i suppose in in a situation where there has been trauma there has been for instance a mother who has been you know attacked by uh, the other parent or for the child to feel well if i was a man i can protect my mother and then i can protect myself so that in that way the the, the development is affected and so there are sometimes uh, cases in which these elements have been by playing a part, and so it's important to explore it. This does not necessarily mean they will change their identification, so that's the other element of it. That sometimes one might become aware how you ended up feeling in the way you feel, but that's not changeable because maybe it has affected also you know, brain development, your structure, and so in some sense has become quite rigid. I will not go into the, the, the fourth one because it's quite complicated to explain. But, what I would say is that we in the number of children we see at our service there is, seems to be an overrepresentation of children or adolescents who are in the autistic spectrum. now we don 't know w- what to make of it, but one possibility would be that the fact that they are in the autistic spectrum or have got these features makes them much more i suppose gives them a particular uh, i suppose what would call style to their way of thinking and so make them less likely to change in the course of development so that's an area which we are at the moment studying so another task of the therapeutic exploration I was saying is to evaluate in the course of development if I suppose these children will persist or if instead will desist by the way they feel their cross gender identification And so to to see which children, I suppose, will remain with the statement or will be in line with the statement, I am, this is what I am, and I can't change, I can't shift. The other alternative would would be, I suppose, that the child, the adolescent shift, and so then um, this would be represented, I suppose, by, by the philosophical say that I flow, I change. And I found it useful, this differentiation, I think, that uh, Ron Britton is a psychoanalyst, says that beliefs, you see, distinguish between belief and imagination. And he says, beliefs have consequences. They arouse feeling, influence perception, and promotes action. Fantasies or imaginations, conscious or unconscious, which are not of ob- the object of belief, do not have consequences. Disavowal, the therefore, denial, can be used to evade these consequences. And and so you can see that it's important to differentiate these two states of mind. Now, if we go back, say, to Ludovic, as you can see in that child, there was plenty of imagination, plenty of fantasy. So my expectation that in this child, probably, when he will reach the 13, 14, or 12, he'll shift, he will change. He didn't give me uh, the impression that he was dealing with a strong belief that something that you know affected him so much deeply and that it was unchangeable and so this is an important differentiation how much this is a belief or how much these are in some sense Im- imagined identity i went to a, a lecture by anish kapoor i think and they were saying that in my studio i anish kapoor is, is, uh, is, is the sculptor and is the, produced a lot of, and and what he said in my studio i changed myself i am an adult I am an old man, I am a child. So these are imagined identity, which then affect I- his work or what he produces. But uh, they don't have the quality of, of a belief that is much more unchangeable and unshiftable. Now, I'll show you a video clip of, uh, I learned all this b- from these teenagers. This is w- it's a film which was, was f- made for a television program, which was called The Wrong Body, and was made about... Ten fifteen 15, no fifteen sixteen years ago, so I suppose for me as an historical you know um uh, value I think because he put me in, in touch with what is to live with a belief, and you can see how this child puts it very, very clearly that's it I will. As you can see, it's very powerful, I think. This was made 16 years ago, but d- any time I see it, it still s- stirs up lots of feelings, emotion in, in me, I think, because it is so real. and so. Now, I'll conclude in a few minutes. This is, adolescent to have a persistent experience of incongruity, as this case for Fred does, between mind and body, find puberty painful and unbearable and they are often at risk of suicide attempts. So a staged approach to management has been devised and this provides a containing framework for unbearable states of mind. This approach involves four stages. Stage one involves the assessment of the gender identity and the therapeutic exploration. Stage two is considered following careful assessment for adolescents whose gender identity disorder persists and become more distressing during adolescent development. So that's an important features, diagnostic features, to see if the distress has got, has got worse during, during development. If it has got worse, then one might consider the use of hypothalamic blockers. These are drugs which suppress the production of estrogen and testosterone and produce a state of biological neutrality. And this intervention is reversible. Then stage three includes the introduction of hormones for people who persist in the case of girls would be biological girls would be the introduction of testosterone and uh, estrogens in biological boys and finally after the age of 18 one can take into consideration surgical intervention now this model seems to provide the same journey towards harmonizing mind and body and provides a space for reflection and thinking at each stage some follow-up study from Peggy Coenketanis and others have shown that adolescents who, after careful assessment, started this process of changing the body during adolescence, have achieved a good level of social and psychological adjustment. I will not go into the assessment, and I will just come to the... Uh, and, of course, the cri- I'll say something about the criteria. We do refer to our t- children, teenagers, to our pediatrician, when there has been presenting with a long-term persistent gender dysphoria, when the adolescence uh, has intensified the distress during the pubertal development, and when the adolescents present as psychologically stable, as vi- evaluated by our questionnaire as well, and there is support within the family and the social network. I don't have time to go because I'd like to get into some discussion with you, and so, I will conclude by saying that i've tried to describe the frequent experience that professional working in this area have of being at the edge and this is that is risky and anxiety provoking i've tried to show a move to a more secure base may include a clear definition of a part the our therapeutic aims to follow and agreed the therapeutic aims with the users and of the service and finally continuous process of negotiation is required with the user's organization and the wider organization when the service is located, if the service has to survive. And one hopes not to end up like this. (laughs) I'm now open for questions or comments, discussion. There's a huge amount there. Um, We've got, I
1: mean, yeah, we've got, I don't even know where to start really with, with that. What any any comments or questions or anything from the floor?
2: Oh Max, take it away. How did Fred turn out? like in the yeah. What happened?
0: Where is Fred now? I, I don't know because I, I followed up him up to a point. I think I think he, he continued, you know, to live in, in in a male role and lives as a male as far as I know. So that, 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 that is what I would have predicted from that interview that, that you saw there, that clip it was in, that was filmed in 93, 94, it was part of a program, I said the wrong body. But, you know, lots of teenagers, you know, who, who present like Fred will continue and persist. And then you can see the level of, of that's why I showed it, because it shows the level of conviction. I was uh, surprised when he said, I don't like to be, I don't want to be, I am. But that's a very powerful statement to make, that, that shows that this is a belief. It's not an imagined identity. It's not that I wish sometimes to cross-dress, or I wish... Or I, I wish... Which is another in another state, people who want temporarily live as male or female. It's a different condition.
2: Why have you ruled up neurological factors? Pardon? I said, why have you ruled up? I've not heard you mention neurological factors for being who me...
0: I have not mentioned because we don't really know. Uh, th- there is some studies in the Netherlands where they've found there is a nucleus in the hypothalamus where is, is a, it's called dimorphic nucleus and is different in male and female. And people have found that male to female transsexual people, have this, the nucleus in these people is the same dimension as in females but it's done on a small number of cases after after that. So I don't think it has been replicated. So we, and we don't know what it means, uh, how this nucleus ends up developing in that particular way, because it's also a nucleus which uh, develops fully at the end of pubertal development. So it may well be that also very early experience influence the development of this nucleus through hormonal pathways. For instance, you know, high level of distress, say in a biological girl, I suppose, m- might actually lead to the production of, for instance, uh, androgens, which then might affect the brain development. But there is no hard no evidence for that. Uh, an- another way around would be to think, I suppose, that this, I suppose, constellation may develop because of a number of factors and pr- the, the, the association with perhaps some autistic traits or, or you know might actually make it more, more more stable less changeable but it's difficult to know so of course that would carry a, a different I suppose you know brain structure because of course one knows that people who have this type of thinking or this might have differences in, in, in the way the brain functions but this is an area which uh, is under investigation for instance now We are thinking, and I didn't have time to go into this, there is an issue there about how early you offer hormonal blockers. Most of our teenagers, or a number of our teenagers, would want to have the puberty blocked as early as possible. Up to now, we have not done that. We tend to block puberty uh, at the age of 14, 15, when there has been quite a lot of development already. The voice might have broken, and and some of these teenagers would like the intervention earlier, so that you stop puberty, you give sometimes for them to think about, and if they persist, then you can introduce the hormones at the age of 16. But that raises another problem. We don't know, for instance, what's the effect of the hormones during the puberty on gender identity development. The fact that you remove testosterone or or estrogens in girls does this alter? the course of the gender identity development can this make their condition or their their perception more rigid we don't know but uh, so we are doing this we are offering this treatment under a research project at the moment because there are ethical issues so we're now seeking ethical approval but also because patients and our clients families want it so we don't have anything you know uh, any hard evidence to say this is wrong it shouldn't be done On the other end, there is an element of risk. So this is one of the the new areas, I suppose, which involves the relationship between, say, professionals and users. How much you take uh, the responsibility away from people and say, no, we we don't know what the long-term consequences are, so we don't do it. Or you say, look, we don't know what long-term consequences are. You need to know this. You need to know what are the advantages and what are the potential risks that you take. And you and your family, because the the child, the teenagers, with the parents, have to make a decision if they want to try this particular treatment. And so that's the approach which we have taken. But of course, it it highlights the kind of problems that you are describing. The fact that we have very little knowledge of how hormones affect, say, for instance, brain development.
2: that those people could give an indication uh, that the hormones didn't change their persistent identity but then you would only know I suppose about uh, that group you wouldn't know about all the others who did go on and change it would be quite hard to find some sort of survey amongst the adult population
0: uh, so the hormones but in adulthood Mm. you see the problem is that there is a lot happening during puberty Mm. which we, we don't know much for instance you see what we know is that the brain builds up an enormous amount of connection mm. pre uh, s- and, and the connection of course are between the neuron the neurons and so that's, so there is lots of activity then during puberty what occurs is what is called pruning mm. so lots of these connections you know g- get destroyed or, or eliminated and so that is what is the meaning of this process well, no, no, nobody knows what I- is maybe that this is a way of Fi- fixing certain things. I mean that would be my way of Interpreting it that you know in, in childhood there is more flexibility more fluidity and then as you start to grow up That fluidity gets lost and you you become more and that is represented by the brain You know reducing the number of connections. but I don't know if that's t- a good explanation or not you know so, so it's so we know very little about what's happening to a brain which is developing of course, b- by the age of 15, 16, if people have gone through puberty, then the situation is much more stable. So w- we, we have a bit more experience and can be a bit more confident. Before that, there is always an element of risk that you are affecting a, a process. Mm-hmm. And of course, th- we don't know what is the long-term consequences of early intervention, uh, say after 10 years. But of course, what is very disturbing, say for boys, for instance, is having the voice breaking, I think, and they don't want that, and that usually happens between what is called Tanner stages of pubertal development, happens between Tanner stage 3 and 4, so people enter puberty at different stages, it's difficult to append an, an age, I think, but I would say between 13 and 14, but it happens very suddenly. There, 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 there is no, no, no evidence that the condition is, is inherited. Uh, w- we see l- quite l- a number of t- uh, children who c- of transsexual parents who come to us, no, not because they've got the gender identity problems, but because we try to help them to come to terms to the changes I- in the family. And i think except one cases which then of course n- n- didn't persist or, or or two cases the vast majority d- don't show any any issue in the area of the gender identity so you you, you would have expect these children who are exposed to this particular constellation so a father who becomes a woman and maybe continues to live with mum, to have an experience which is so unusual, which might affect their development. In, in, in I've, I've found that in the vast majority of these cases there is isn't no, no, no effect on, on the gender identity development. They turn up to be ordinary boys or ordinary girls. So when did I come to you?
2: Is it thought to be more prevalent now, like autism? Or is it just more known now, or more openly acknowledged?
0: It's a difficult question to to answer because, you see, before, say, the early 60s, late 50s, there was no concept of gender identity. See, gender was uh, confined to the domain of grammar, to mean male and female. And then this concept of gender identity was introduced. The idea... And first came gender role and then gender identity. That you had a perception of yourself as male or female, no matter what your body said. I think this in the introduction of this concept is a bit like a Copernican Revolution. It changed the whole world of, of 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 sexuality, I think. Because now you had a different way of looking at things. Now before then, people experienced a similar type of had similar experiences how would they describe it It Bec- would be complicated because there was no no language no formulation so probably now you have more people not because there are more of these conditions but because people can articulate it can say you see w- what they feel and, and what the problem is you see and, and, and that's I suppose is, 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 is in my view is, is a major change because now it has gone into the realm of, of identity a bit in, in a similar way, although maybe it's a different, but uh, it, similar issues have happened in, in, in the field, say, of homosexuality. That, in, 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 I suppose, you know, in, in the past they might have seen as act, not as an identity, as, as belonging to a community. As a way of perceiving the world, as a way of, of relating. So that has made a huge difference, because it's a new, a new way of conceptualizing it. At the point now that all these conditions go under the heading of diversity you see, well in the past the, 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 so, so uh, w- the point I'm trying to make is that probably that there is an increase, but not because things have radically changed in, in the way people perceive it, is but because now they can be formulated and then of course television program, the media talks like this, my talk <laughs> will sometimes help people I think to put two and two together and then being able to be m- more able I think to articulate their condition so you
2: Mm. both this point and also from what you were saying before in that um, perhaps previously say when i was a child you very much had mums and dads and they were married and (coughs) perhaps they did the right thing by marrying because there was a child on the way whereas these days there's very much more um one-parent families there's a very much more diversity of family background and from what you were saying about how trauma could lead to a gender crisis in that grandma dies and somebody wants to take, because they're grieving for grandma, this was my understanding of what you said, they then sort of take on grandma's sexuality?
0: Or identity, I suppose. Or identity. In well,
2: with all this diversity of family backgrounds, could this also lead to more problems? Because people have got, perhaps, children have got several parenting conflicts. complex, yes, quite, and they go from mum's, real mum's house, to dad, who's got a new partner and step mum, and you know there must be a tremendous amount mm. of adjustment for children, some children, an awful lot yeah, of problems. it's it's
0: possible, I think, but I, I wouldn't swear on anything in this area, I think, because the variable are so many. Because you could say, you know, traumatic events, for, but that, for instance, take, you know, how children were treated. I suppose you know, two, three, four centuries ago, I think that there was a much more harsher harsh, treatment. So one could imagine that perhaps a girl. And there is you know uh, a sentence in Shakespeare which at some point this this woman says, "If I were a man i can 't remember now the, the the exact quote I think uh, where I suppose you could see the wish i suppose to 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 be a man or to be strong because in some sense you have been ill treated or, or, or abused and and and, and also but but, but, mm-hmm. but that is see, it is not uh, Something which is, I suppose, is the usual way, is an unusual, I suppose, development in, in that particular group of people, because some other people react in a totally different way. So that's, uh, in my view, shows that, you know, uh, we as humans are, are, are very, very unpredictable and very, very rich as well. We, in, in terms that all these identities, you can take as uh, being problems, or you can take it as a sign, I think, that humanity is very valuable and very rich and people bring in uh, new way of perceiving things which are valuable as well as what we are used to i can see that sometimes it's difficult to adjust to these things and so this is what has been my quite a lot of my work in my institution i think because my institution originally thought well you know you you've, you know you've started yourself because i start to see in uh, uh, you know, a teenager with these problems and they th- told me, well, you know, I felt like this when I was a child. So I said, well, okay, why, why there is no service? So I start to, st- I started the service. And then the idea, I suppose, in, in some of people in, in my organization, which was a psychotherapy, of course, if we see these people as young children, then we change all of them, and so we make adult service irrelevant. It's an hypothesis, it's something. But of course, it hasn't worked like that. Because some of these children, as you can see, no matter what you did, continue to feel the way they did, and so the the most important thing is to accept them for the parents, to love them, for us as professional, I think, to help them to develop in the best possible way, I think, and that was the message that we've been giving, that the parents, you have to love your child, not uh, as it should be, but how, how, how it is he may change but he may not and so this we make this deal at the start and sometimes for some parents it's very very difficult to come to terms with that but when they do they discover that th- their child has got other <coughs> gifts has got other characteristics bring something new in the family
1: so uh, I think we'll have one more question so and then I've got a question but. Um, like how much in gender identification um, and the disorder is it really just also like a societal thing where like we expect boys to enjoy you know playing with big red trucks and girls to play with barbie dolls but like I don't know, like sometimes you have kids who just enjoy playing with the girls and set or who also, that. then also there's the whole other problem of like you know, biologically they should feel, they feel different or they feel this or like so how much is it sometimes just they just seem outside of what we regard just and impose on them, we almost impose on them a disorder in that we expect them to do a certain way but then also they themselves feel they should be different so
0: like I think it's a, it's a very important question. I don't know the answer to that. I, I think, I suppose, society plays a role. But then you, you, you have a spectrum of conditions. So there might be some people who live in between, they you know, p- p- play or, 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 or have activities of the other gender and so on. So there is much more. But then you have some people who feel much, much more s- strongly. And these people, in my view, are quite different, they need to be acknowledged because they feel that the body must be changed. They can't live with the body they've got. While there are a number of people who, for instance, in this gender spectrum will follow in between. They would want to live in a more androgynous way. They would want to live as a female, but they don't want the body changed. So you, you can see, so, uh, and so there must be something a bit more profound going on in, in, this, in these children. Because I had the case of, um, of a child whose mother thought that when this child was born, it was a biological girl, mother thought that this was a boy for some peculiar reasons. I did not I didn't want to go into it. But then she, she went on treating this child always as, as, as a boy and said to the child, you are a boy, you are a boy, called with a boy's name. That totally colluded with this perception of mom. So you would have expected this child to be transactional or to be and and it was not when she came to us she didn't know it was because when she was asked are you a boy or a girl she would be shy and say well you wouldn't want to commit herself so we saw this child separately from mother and then it became very clear that this child had no doubt that she was a biological girl and then thought that mom was a little bit crazy i think mum was very <laughs> mum was very caring i think and so it was in these days i mean it was a long time ago social service probably would have removed this child from mom but she didn't but on the all i think the end result of the story was that this child developed you know with a bit of support quite well was fairly fairly secure about you know their gender identity and well thought maybe and then she said because came from you know the subcontinent she said you know mom wanted me to be a boy because boy have a better life in, in, in her country of origins now that would be a, soci- a sociological explanation. It was much more than that because mom thought that this child had, you know, testicles within her tummy. You know that they were not descended. So there was a much more complicated elaboration, much more concrete. It was not just a superficial social things it would be better if he was a boy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to ask,
1: I'm gonna ask the one last question, and then we'll then we'll go downstairs and we can ask Domenico some more questions when it's a question in two parts the first part is is there a difference in the number of boys who want to be girls as opposed to girls who want to be boys that's the first part and the second part is is there any suggestion from colleagues you've got in other countries that these things are different in other countries so I I, 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 that we had a talk here last week on Japan, for instance. Just take that as a, you know, as a, as a different culture, a different kind of set of, you know, so to take Max's point, a different set of mm-hmm. social structures and so on. Whether you know what the situation will be in different, different western or different modern uh, industrialized countries. The
0: first question, I suppose. I mean, I don't know. We, we obviously it's known that there are more boys who wants to be girls. Okay. Than, the, than the other way around. And certainly in ourselves, in early childhood, we tend to see many more boys than girls. But that is because, I suppose, the girls tend can be, I suppose, thought as being tomboy. And so they wait until puberty. But then at puberty, the the, the number starts to to become m- 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 more similar. So it's more acceptable for a young girl, like a, g- like a boy. Like a like boy. Boy, then boy. Then for a boy, you know, if you want to wear a scarf, I, I think, you know, yeah. it's uh, not, you know... D- you know, I suppose if I went to my work you know, with a skirt, you know, people would, <laughs> would be, my, well, instead there are lots so of women, I think, who They are not be very accepting, wouldn't they?
1: They'd
0: be <laughs> your so there is much more, it depends, because society is much more stereotyped, I think, and so that's, but, but basically I suppose that the numbers tend to become closer, I think, but there is still more, more boys who want to, 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 to be girls, I think, so that's the, the, that's the why is that, we, we don't know. The second question, cultural influence. Of course, there are cultural influences. I think in the way people present. But I travel around quite a lot, and I think the, the more, I suppose, you know, s- uh, uh, intense presentation tend to be very, very similar wherever you are, whether you are in Japan, in China, or. Then, of course, cultural influences, because in Iran, for instance, homosexuality I- I- is not accepted. So probably, uh, p- lots of people or a number of people will present themselves as trans in order to be more accepted by society because transsexuality is more accepted i think because it's seen as a medical condition so so you have these variations i think but uh, apart from that i think there is a similarity i think in 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 various countries i think in in spite of the fact that roles might be different wonderful i'm gonna
1: i'm gonna close this off we're gonna go downstairs um Head downstairs and have a drink, yeah. If we look after people downstairs, while well, I tidy things up. up here.
0: Shall That's, we have the last one, or no? No. no.
1: We got, we'll have to wait. I think there are at least there are. At least all right. Okay. More questions. So what we'll do, at this point is we can I'll go downstairs and have another drink, um, and we can continue this conversation. I think. As long as are you in a, a rush to get
0: off? Uh, no, no, no. Maybe I can stay another fifteen minutes okay, or something. So We've got good.
1: fifteen minutes to get all our questions into the medical before it has to disappear so uh, if you can head downstairs and I'll simply ask you to give Zomenico a big round of applause for coming in.